Just carrying on with a bit of a, a theme I've got going at the moment in relation to Christmas. What does Christmas mean for you? I think Dean said that really well over communion about what Christmas really means for us and ask, asking our families what it means for us. There are certain seasons in a year uh, where it's okay to talk about certain things. If you think about uh, January and February, it's, it's really okay to talk about setting goals and different things like that and New Year's resolutions and things like that because everyone's pursuing those sorts of things. When you come to June, July and August, it's, it's okay then to start to talk about finance or money because everyone else is talking about finance and money at the time. It's when we're talking about you know, doing our taxes and, and things like that. So it's, it's just a great opportunity to, to share about that. At Easter time, it's really great to talk about uh, Jesus as well uh, because uh, we've got this really great long weekend and we think, well, what's the long weekend for? Well, it's about Jesus. So there's a straight of heads up for you right there. And, and the same thing, thing is, is about Christmas as well. People are open to talking about Jesus at Christmas. Last week we talked about, you know, like when someone asks you, what are you doing for Christmas? I, I talked about we're actually making room for Jesus in our lives. It gives us an opening into people's lives to start to talk about Jesus. If you missed that message, I'd really encourage you to uh, have a listen to it through either our uh, website or through uh, the iTunes podcast because I think it will help some people as you listen to that message. So this week I'm really going to start to talk about, uh, again, about how we can talk about Jesus at Christmas. I'm not sure if you actually knew this, but there's only three more sleeps before Christmas. Only, I hope you've done your Christmas shopping. We've done ours. We've only got one more gift left to get. So I don't know about you. It's, 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 Christmas is, is a lot about waiting, like three, three more sleeps until Christmas. I, as a kid, I always remember like the lead up to Christmas, there was a countdown on. We used to have this advent calendar that uh, we used to like open up the little cardboard door and look in there and there's a picture of a sheep or something or other or there's a chocolate in there. It was a great time. And re- but it was all about the wait and the lead up to Christmas. And Christmas can so often be associated with waiting. We're waiting for the specials at the shops. We're waiting for the start of the school holidays as we're leading towards Christmas. We're waiting for a break from work over the Christmas period or we're waiting for the actual day to arrive. Our kids uh, wait in eager anticipation of their gifts and their presents on Christmas morning about the surprises and the excitement that can be generated. What on earth is in that gift that's got my name written on it under the tree? You know, there's this sense of excitement that kids have and they have to wait for it. So the question begs us really, what are you waiting for this Christmas? What is it that you are waiting for this Christmas? And I think that is there something that maybe you're longing for? Is there something that you're really looking forward to that's special this Christmas? I'm going to read a passage of Scripture and then we're going to take some points out of it this morning. So I'm reading out of Luke chapter 2 and verses 22 down through to 40. And this is what it says. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, everyone say Simeon, Simeon. who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the, the, the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for, for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna. Everyone say Anna. The daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. In this passage, we, we come across two people who really uh, uh, come into this, this whole Christmas drama. Uh, we have a man named Simeon. We have a lady by the name of Anna. They don't really appear in too many nativity scenes that you'll see, in particular on Mr. Bean. You won't see them there. There, however, are significant players in this first Christmas story that we've just read. Both Simeon and Anna were waiting for something. Actually, they were waiting for someone to come. Luke uses a Greek word of anticipation that identifies them as waiting with expectation for the coming Messiah, the Savior. That's what they were doing. The both were doing this. It literally means to be alert to his appearance and ready to welcome him. This word is used in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 by Simeon, where we read that he was waiting. And it's used in Luke 2, 38 by Anna. She was looking forward to. So there's this, this air of anticipation. There's this whole thing about being ready and, and anticipating the coming of the Messiah. So this morning, I just want to spend just a little bit of time just talking about Simeon and then about Anna. Anna. So Simeon, could he have been waiting for comfort? We're introduced to Simeon in Luke 2.25. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation. Now, this is not like the, the runners-up prize. It's not a consolation prize. But this, this word is used differently and it's, it, it talks about really about comfort, solace, relief, support. So, so Simeon is here waiting for the comfort, the, the solace, the relief, the support of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. So Simeon was righteous both for the people and he was devout in his relationship to God. Things weren't going really well for Israel at that time. They hadn't heard from God for many years. There was this incredible long period of silence. And then that's broken by the appearing of Jesus. 
They'd lost their political independence as a, as a nation, and they were living in fear of the capable and crafty and very cruel King Herod at that time. And many were wondering if the Messiah would ever come. They wondered if they, he would ever come. Verse 26 tells us that Simeon had good reason for his hope and his anticipation. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I don't know about you, but you know sometimes we can get a word from God and we give up too quickly on that word. You know, it takes a while for something to happen and we, we sort of like lose hope and, and we just you know, give up on that word. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't give up on the word that God's given you. Don't give up on the word that God's given to you. Write it down in your Bible. Write it down in a notepad. Write it down on a little uh, card maybe and keep it in your pocket. Keep it with you. Keep it close to your heart. Continually bring it out. Say, God, you've said this to me. This is what you promised. And I'm going to believe that you're going to fulfill this promise. Don't give up too early on the promise that God's given to you. Amen? Simeon's expectation focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. Among the Jews of Simeon's day, one of the popular titles of Messiah was the Comforter. If you think about it, when you look at some of the words to describe the Holy Spirit, he is called the Spirit of Comfort. So we see here that Simeon's right on the money insofar as anticipating someone who's going to bring comfort, and that someone was the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah to come and to bring his comfort to them. Everyone has need to feel comfort in their lives at some point and some way. And at various times, we may all struggle with loneliness, maybe with insecurity, even desperation at times. I'm not sure if you know this, but Christmas is one of the times where the incidences of depression and suicide skyrocket because of what's happening in the world today. People are alone. They are desperate. They are doing life tough. And we need to be around in, in our world and, and a part of our world to listen for those single little things that come along sometimes and say, are you okay? That's why I love the ministry of presence for these current bushfire things. It's actually sitting down with someone saying, are you okay? This is a safe place where you can start to talk about stuff and someone is listening. You're not going to go through this alone. There is a community ready and willing and able to help to support you in this moment. So the Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple courts at just the right time, on just the right day, that Joseph and Mary are bringing the baby Jesus into the temple. God kept his promise to Simeon. He was Emmanuel, God with us, to make everything right, to provide significance by his presence and to eliminate rejection and fear and loneliness. That's why Jesus came. Simeon reached down and he took the baby Jesus out of Mary's arms and I'm not sure about you, but like in today's society, if, if I'm like going down the street and I see this baby in this lady's arms, and I was going, oh, let me have your baby. I'm like, you know, I'd call the cops, you know what I mean? But th- there's something about Simeon, about the way that he is, that his personality, maybe his countenance, that Mary says, you know what, it's a safe place to be able to give Jesus over. And Simeon holds Jesus in his arms and he says, now, Lord, you've kept your promise to me. I can go home. And that's, you know, it's what an incredible moment for Simeon to have the fulfillment of a promise in his, in his life happen at that moment. And I believe that many of you, you've had words given to you and God is going to come through for you. I believe God is going to come through for you. He's going to fulfill his word to you, that you're going to see the fulfillment of the promise that God has given to you. My encouragement to you is this, 
Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on the promise that God has given to you. Anna. We, we, we read about Anna here, this lady. Could she have been waiting for forgiveness? Is that why she was waiting? See, this other Christmas character waiting with anticipation for the coming Messiah is called Anna. After her husband had died, she's dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. Now, I don't mind a bit of praying, but not too good on the fasting bit. All right? I'm working on it. Trust me. Okay? After, you know, like, so in in the Bible, the Bible says that she never actually left the temple. She was worshipping there day and night. She was looking forward to the same person that Simeon was, but for a different reason. Instead of looking for comfort, Anna was looking for forgiveness. Because in Luke chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. This word redemption is related to the idea of captivity. In the Old Testament, the Passover and the release of Israel from Egyptian slavery, it stood in Anna's day as the ultimate redemption and the symbol of God's power to release captives. That's what the whole thing's talking about. Ultimately, the Passover pointed ahead to a day when God would provide deliverance from the slavery to sin that mankind was suffering under. So when Anna saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were waiting for redemption, for the forgiveness of sins at that time. And here at last was the one who would save his people from their sins. Jesus always provides what we need. Jesus always provides what we need. When Jesus came, he provided the very things that Simeon and Anna were waiting for, God's comfort and God's forgiveness. So my question to us this morning is this. What are we waiting for at Christmas? What are we waiting for this Christmas? What are you waiting for this Christmas? What is your family waiting for this Christmas? Whatever it is, Jesus can give it to us. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to any question that we could ever ask. Can any of us identify perhaps with Simeon today? Some of us maybe are hurting right now. Maybe we feel lonely. We feel empty maybe, afraid or just maxed out. Like, you know, I'm so glad we're getting to the end of 2019. I'm, I'm over 2019. I want to leave 2019 behind. Maybe you're just looking for comfort from the things that have happened in the last 12 months. Maybe it's the last 24 months. Maybe it's been a, a long, protracted season for you that you're saying, God, I want this season over and I'm looking forward. What are, you, what are you waiting for this Christmas? Can you identify with Simeon? Are you looking for comfort? Are you looking for strength in this moment? We, we can find what we're looking for in Jesus this morning. He came to comfort us right where we're at. Or maybe you can identify with Anna. Maybe there's something that you're plagued with because you know, you're just can't see a way of getting through what you're trying to deal with, the things that are attacking your mind, the things that are attacking your life. You just can't move past those things and you're looking for for forgiveness maybe from God. You're looking for Him to rescue you from that. You feel trapped in a pattern of sin that you just can't break free of. And if we need forgiveness, Jesus can give us that today. There's no need for to you to, to suffer through guilt any longer. 
but to say, you know what, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm just going to open my heart, open my life to you, and just believe that you can help me. So this, this Christmas, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I want to give us three action steps that are going to help us to take a hold of the comfort and the forgiveness that Jesus can give us this Christmas. I want to give you three action steps. Number one, and this all comes out of our passage, I want us to rediscover our marvel. Not your marbles, your marvel. And not your Marvel superheroes comics. Your marvel. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 33, Joseph and Mary marveled at what was said about Jesus. They marveled. We've got to rediscover our marvel about the things that have been said about Jesus. Rediscover who he is for you. Rediscover him as the Messiah, as the Savior. Rediscover him as the, uh, the light of the world. Rediscover him as the bread of life. Rediscover him as, as your hero, as your superhero. Rediscover him as the person that can come into the moment and bring his comfort, to bring his, his release into your life. Rediscover him. That's what Jesus, uh, sorry, Joseph and Mary tried to process everything. In, like, in Luke 2, 33, it says that they marveled about what was said about Jesus. To become a marveler is to be filled with wonder and astonishment and surprise. How about going back to the Psalms and seeing all the things that the, the psalmists wrote about the wonder and the awe and the majesty of, of heaven itself? You know, I, I, let me just digress for a moment. Psalm 18. I always love to, to remind myself about the start of Psalm 18. It says this. Starting from verse 1, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God uh, is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I've been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called out to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his holy temple, he heard my voice. All of a sudden, there's this shift this, by the psalmist. He's, he's telling all the things about how good God is, and then he's saying that the, the moment that, that he's actually in there, that, you know, that he's, he's under the suffering of death, is. Death seems like it's caught around him. It seems like enemies are coming against him and everything. And then he says, I, I cried out to God in that moment and God heard me. And he says this, My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountain shook. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to marvel at this sort of stuff. I'm starting to be astonished about what God does when we cry out to him that he moves heaven and earth to come down and start to, to be with us in that moment. He, you know, it, it goes on and says, uh, the, uh, They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out from it. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty, I'm, I'm marveling at that stuff. We've got to rediscover our marvel about who God is. 
We've got to rediscover about the marvel of, of the, you know, like in the Old Testament that if you touched a sick person, then you were unclean and you had to go through this whole purification ritual again because, you know, you had to get rid of the, the sickness or the disease that you just touched in this person. In the New Testament, Jesus changed everything. And we need to marvel now that the, 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 the cleansing and the, the health and the, the vitality of heaven itself is imparted to a sick person. We don't catch what they've got anymore. They catch what we've got, and we've got wholeness. We've got cleansing and, and health and, and vitality and power and love and grace. We give that to them. I can tell you're excited on the inside, and you're going to go home and celebrate this. This is just amazing. You're marveling on the inside, but some of you need to let your faces know that you're marveling. Okay? It's, it's just good, good gear. It's good gear. Are we marveling at Christmas? Or are we caught up in the busyness and the stress of the season? Have we been running around because of the holidays? Or are we taking, taking the time to make Christmas a holy day? Has Christmas become predictable, familiar? Have we heard the Christmas story so much that it no longer astonishes, surprises, astounds, or even amazes us anymore. Actually, this can be a dangerous time of the year for us. Our annual celebration of Christmas can immunize us to its reality. We hear just enough of the story each year to inoculate us against the real thing, so we never really catch the true Christmas fever. If you want to start to marvel again, at all that Jesus is. Can I just put out there just a, a simple bit of homework this week? What if, what if you imagined that you were one of the shepherds when the angel appeared? What if you imagined that you had the responsibility of bringing the gift of myrrh to the baby Jesus in that moment? What would, what would it be like for you to be Mary in that moment? What would it be like for you? Would you recapture some of the marvel that maybe has taken the shine off of your Christmas? What would it be like if you placed yourself in the role of one of the members that play a part in this story? What would it be like for you if you were Simeon and you held in your hands the promise and the fulfillment of it? Secondly, in the action steps that we can do to find and discover this comfort and the forgiveness that Jesus offers to us at Christmas is to become a mover. First, we have this incredible, you know, just rediscovering our marvel. Then we become a mover. See, in Luke chapter 2, verse 27, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. In verse 38, it says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. In other words, Anna had moved as well. Not only did Simeon move in that moment, but Anna moved as well. Both of them moved because the Holy Spirit prompted them, and they did what they'd been commanded to do. I wonder if, if, what would have happened if they'd not responded. Actually, most of the Christmas characters 
responded to the Holy Spirit's leading, if you start to read the story. Mary was ready to move when the angel said, May it be to me as you have said. Joseph demonstrated that he was a mover when he woke up from his dream. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, Joseph did what the angel commanded. In other words, he moved. He did what was asked of him. The shepherds were movers as well when they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened. The wise men, they moved when they saw the star. Saints, when God prompts us to do something, we need to do it. We need to move. We need to respond. We need to, to do, take some sort of action when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do that. Do we sense maybe this Christmas that the Holy Spirit's asking us to do something? Is there a neighbor that you know, you, you know that maybe they're just on their own and you just need to reach out to them and invite them around for a cuppa? Is there someone around about you? Maybe do you feel like you know, there's, there's something you could help with the bushfire crisis that's going on? Is the Holy Spirit saying to you about being a partner together to be able to help some people in this moment? Don't put off what the Father asks us to do. Don't miss what he wants to do through you. And then I'm struck, I'm I'm, I'm gobsmacked by Simeon when he says to Mary in verse 34, this this must have hit her like a rock. In verse 34 it says, this is what Simeon says to to Mary. This child's destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. That's not really Christmassy. Have you you thought about this? This is not in the plan. This is not the Christmas. I've never seen this in a Hallmark card. Like it's, It's just right here in the middle. It's just... if you. This is why we've got to sit down and say, have we become so routine in what we're reading about in the Christmas story that we overlook things like this? Simeon's not saying, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Mary. Rather, he pauses, he clears his throat, (coughs) and he tells her that Christmas will never be merry and the new year will never be happy until people get moving and surrender their lives to Christ. See, here's the truth about Christmas. Ever since Jesus entered the world, he has divided the human race. He has divided the human race. Jesus will cause the falling and the rising of many. Some are going to go down and some are going to go up. Because of who Jesus is and what he did, He forces people to make a decision about him. The Bible uses powerful imagery here. It says, Jesus is either a rock we will build our life on, that's the sense of rising, or he's the rock that causes us to stumble. That means that there's a falling. Jesus is calling each of us to make a decision. We can't stay neutral about Jesus. We are either going to be for him or against him. We're either moving closer to him or we are moving further away. We either have the Son or we don't. That brings me to my third point. Not only do we need to rediscover and marvel and to deliver the message, but we also need to, sorry, deliver the message, which is my third point. I knew that, I was just testing. So, being a mover and then a messenger. 
See, as we work at becoming a marveler, we can't help but become movers. And we need to become messengers. In Luke 2, verse 38 again, Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. She just, anyone who was willing to listen, anyone who was around, she was willing to listen. We're really good at this when it comes to the everyday things of our lives. We're really good at this. We have no problem talking about the football, about the big bash cricket, about bushfires, about uh, the state of the uh, politics in the United States. We have no problems in talking all about that sort of stuff. But when it comes to talking about Jesus, suddenly we lose our voice. Suddenly we lose the impetus to share about Jesus. I'm not saying that that's everyone, but I'm saying that that's quite a lot of us. And what we've got to do is to become a messenger once more. Do we have family and friends who've been caught up in the preparations of Christmas? Look at it this way. Maybe their anticipation and longing represents an inner search in their lives for comfort and forgiveness. And they're looking for an answer. And all it needs is for us to say, you know what? I believe that the answer is in Jesus. He is the reason for the season. We've got this, in, this answer to their, their need right within us and we need to just simply share it with them and to help them to discover Jesus for themselves. God wants each of us to become messengers of the Christmas story. See, as we become marvelers, the wonder of Christmas will astonish us. As we become movers, our need for comfort and forgiveness will be met. And as we take on our role as messengers seriously, we'll be in a position to introduce others to the Christ of Christmas as well, so that they in turn find what they have been looking for and waiting for as well. See, this message series has been called, What Does Christmas Mean for You? For me, my answer to that question is this. Christmas means for me. Christmas is a marvellous, moving message. That's what Christmas is. A marvellous, moving message. Christmas is a marvellous, moving message. Rediscover and marvel at who Jesus is. Let's get moving as we are prompted to by the Holy Spirit and led by the Father to carry his message of love, hope, grace and forgiveness to our community. How can we not find what we're looking for and waiting for this Christmas when we remember that Christmas is about a marvellous, moving message? Let's stand.